0: We ask you to forgive us for every sin, all the sins that we have committed in your sight, knowingly and unknowingly, Lord God. We ask you to forgive us, Lord God. I pray and ask you, Lord God, that you'll burn out every sin that we have committed, oh God, in your sight. We ask you to wash us in your blood, Lord God. We ask you to sanctify us truly, God, tonight. Lord God, we give you all the glory and all the honor, Lord God. You are worthy to be praised. Father God, as we pray tonight, Lord God, we ask you, Lord God, for strength, oh God, in our pastor's uh, body tonight, Lord God, that you'll strengthen him and his family tonight, oh God, that they will continue to stay encouraged, Lord God. Touch, Lord God, the Johnson family tonight, Lord God. I pray that they, too, Lord God, will be strengthened and encouraged and stick together more than ever before, Lord God. We pray, Lord God. for. Sister Mariah's, oh God, family tonight, Lord God, that you'll touch them, Lord God, that they too will be encouraged, and that, Lord God, they will keep their mind on you, Lord God, and in the midst of what's happening around us tonight, Lord God. Father God, I pray for everyone that is in this place tonight, that you will touch us and that you will draw us closer to thee, Lord. Father God, as we pray tonight, we pray for... God, as you come tonight, that you will use him for your glory. Lord God, that you will speak to him, Lord God. Help him, Lord God, that whatever he has to do, preach to us, teach us, Lord God, that your will will be done and not our will. We ask you, Lord God, that you'll pour out your spirit upon every person in this place tonight, Lord God. And that we'll never, oh God, forget to give you all the glory and all the honor. You are the one that empower us. You are the one that sustain us. You are the one that gave us life and life more abundantly. You are the one that we worship and adore. We thank you, Lord God, for your goodness, for your mercies. And for your love, we ask you to have your way tonight. Open our hearts and our minds, oh God. I pray and ask you to keep us together as one and that we'll come to the look to you, Lord God, from whence cometh our help. Have your way, Lord God, tonight. We give you all the glory, we give you all the honor as we worship you tonight in the mighty name of Jesus. And can we just give the Lord a round of applause tonight? Hallelujah, is worthy to be praised tonight hallelujah 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 without any further ado it's my honor tonight to bring to this podium tonight a man of god minister isaiah asker is going to come to us he's gonna just let's raise our hands and say god bless god use and god keep minister isaiah come on minister in jesus name amen
1: God, Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap, Amen, (laughs) Amen. How many know He is a worthy God, Amen, Amen? Amen. So I have an assistant today; he's passing things out. But while while you're actually standing, um, we can just get right into the Word of God. Uh, Your Bibles. Say amen. Physical, digital. Amen. Amen. I sound pretty high up here. Am I pretty good? Okay. (laughs) All right. Works for me. All right. So we're going to turn to Psalms chapter 42. When you're there, say amen. And I'm reading from uh, the NIV version for those but you don't have to. All right, when you're there, say amen. 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 It says, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Why, my God, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mazar, deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord directs his love, at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me saying to me all day long where is your God why my soul are you downcast why so disturbed within me put your hope in God for I will yet praise him my savior and my God so it is with this entire reading of text, I just want to speak to you on the topic, uh, Lessons in a Dry Place. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, I'd ask you right now, Lord God, you may increase as I decrease, Lord Jesus. Lord God, I pray, Lord God, that your spirit may come and move in this sanctuary, Lord Jesus. Lord God, I pray you may use me as your oracle, Lord God. Open the minds and the understanding of your people, Lord Jesus. Use us. Use me, Lord God. Send your angels down this evening, Lord God, to minister, oh, Father God. Lord, let this word, Lord God, fall on the hearts and mind of your people, Lord God. Let it marinate and melt, oh, Father God. Lord, let it be refreshing, Lord Jesus. Let it be the word, let it, God, let it be what we need today, Lord Jesus. I thank you for this on-time word. In the name of Jesus. Pray. Amen. You may be see it. So the the book of Psalms is indeed uh positioned um in the Old Testament in a very unique way. The the, the, the title Psalms that we kind of see in our English Bible comes from uh there's a translation of the Old Testament that's in Greek. And um, it basically means a song of praise. The the rabbis uh, throughout the, the history have actually referred to this as the book of praise. Uh, and, and, and the Psalms is so uniquely positioned that in Luke, I want to read you this text that Jesus says, in Luke chapter 24, verse 44, Jesus says, And he said unto them, these are the words which I spake unto you while I was with while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Jesus sees the Psalms as its own part part of the total composition of the old testament throughout church history as well as uh, israel history synagogue worship the 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 book of psalms is has been used uh, to sing praises unto god they have been used for meditation guided prayer and music so what is so unique about this book it's not like proverbs though some like to put them together it's not like genesis it's not like really any other book in the entire old testament see i believe that while the bible's narratives that's the genesis exodus leviticus etc while they tell the story about god acts how god act is acting in the world the prophetic literature, major, minor prophets, Isaiah, for an example, speaks about how what God actually says. The Psalms is a unique book because it tells the story of the responses of the people to what God said and did to them. Amen. Without the Psalms, Israel's greatest king, would look like Hercules. Why do I say that? Because we read in the Psalms phrases like, David did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Such and such did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just like his father or just like his descendant David did. But Psalms tells us how David felt. Psalms tells us how David thought, what he thought when he felt that God wronged him. Taking away Psalms out of the life of David is taking away humanity from David. Amen. You know, I, I, um, I heard a preach some time ago. It said that um a preacher said that your maturity is determined by how fast that you bounce back. From God jacking you up, and and I remember listening to it in a um, in a church service, and and and, and uh, everyone clapped, but but it, it 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 didn't really sit well with me because prior to that I was actually in a conversation with a friend of mine uh, who had left God and left the church for about ten years, you know, and he was actually just getting back in church, and as he was describing to me. Um, some of the things that he felt that he had experienced, how he felt dead spiritually, because the Lord took away took his sister from him, and he developed a hate sort of you know to some to some extent um for God and it 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 hit me. When he said this, he said, I was feeling this way, and I had no one to turn to. I had no one who was willing to relate. Everyone had this idea about God and that you should just smile all the time whenever he is, in his words, persecuting you. And it was really that moment where I said, well, Lord, what, what, what is it that your word has to say about this? And such started my uh, reading and then studying um, to the book of Psalms. And to give you another example, which I'll be giving some examples of my own life um, this evening. um, I remember when I kind of first got in church or maybe not too long after I got in church, actually, um, something was going on with me spiritually mentally, I was extremely um, i was extremely on fire for the Lord. I went on to all the conferences went to the church services I did everything i mean i even me and a a friend of mine we would lock ourselves in the church all night and pray and read and all we would have is like a five hour energy drink in the bible only he i and I and the pastor would know about it and I don't say that to brag I say that to say that. There was a time that I did everything that I could do to shake off what I now know to be the depression that I was in, but nothing worked. Nothing would work. But something eventually did work that we'll get into later. And in our text tonight, we are introduced to some characters that we you may or may not be familiar with. But they also seem to be in this Lump. we are told that they are the sons of Korah the Korahites are Korahites are listed in uh, second chronicles as uh, well first chronicles actually as the gatekeeper and so so they were gatekeepers in fact chronicles tells us that they were priests in charge of the singing ministry and for those who read the Old Testament, the name Korah is starting to sound familiar to you because in the book of Numbers, we read that there was an uprising. Right? There was a man named Korah who rose 250 community leaders up against Moses and God opens the ground and swallow them whole in defense of Moses. But the text says that God spared his sons. So when we read this text, we are looking at men who are serving God after God took their father. They are singing. They are ushers. They are gatekeepers. They are basically being asked to respond with kindness to a situation that caused them pain. You ever been in a situation where the Lord has asked you to respond to a situation that happened to you, but your response to that situation that God is asking you to do may be a little inconsistent to what was done to you. I'll give you a story in my life. So, and I'll, I'll be doing this a lot, um, by the way. I remember when I was, um, before I got in church, some may know, some may not know, right? Street kid. I'm from Trenton, New Jersey. And uh, I was living a fast life, gang banging, selling drugs, et cetera. Um, I remember at the age of 16, there was uh, uh, some guys ran into my house, my mother's house. She comes, or er, someday. Some sometimes, and um, they had held her at gunpoint, and they robbed me and or attempted to rob me, and um they ended up shooting inside the house where a bullet grazed me, and it was two guys, and the other bullet hits the his partner in the leg, and as I try to make a run for it, they hit me in the head, and i i I pass out, and the next thing I know, um I wake up uh literally. My hair is red, and pool of blood, ambulance c- uh, come to get me, and we get rushed to the hospital. And so I say that to say, just to fast forward a little bit, I some years later, I get into church, and I go to this men's conference in Atlanta, and it was maybe, I don't know, three days, I don't know, I think Scott was there, so uh, three days or so, And I, and the last day, as I was leaving there was this guy, uh this preacher by the name of Morton Buster. And um I shook his hand. I didn't I didn't really know him or, or, or knew about him at that time. I would just I shook his hand and I and I was leaving and he grabbed me and he pulled me close to him and he came into my ear and he says, This is a prophecy, shut up and listen. So I'm like save, but I'm not like save, save. So he said, Shut up. I'm just like you know, um but I was like, okay. <laughs> uh, so I'm listening. And he, he tells me that your enemies will beg for mercy. And at this time in my life, while I, I, there was a lot going on in my life in, in on the street side. And so I didn't think anything of it. I said, okay. I don't even think I knew what a prophecy was at that point. A month or two later, I received a call from a lawyer, and the lawyer says, I have my my clients have asked me to call you because they are begging for you for your assistance to help them because they're looking at thirty years so i said who's your who's your clients? I don't know what you're talking about and so he mentioned the names was the t- the guys who actually Ran into my mother's house and tried to kill me and held my mom at gunpoint. And so when he said that, I immediately thought what what the, what the pastor said, and 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 I said, Oh no, Lord, I I, I can't do that. <laughs> no, no, they deserve that. But the Lord had other plans. The Lord wanted me to respond in kindness to a situation that caused me great pain. Oh, Amen. Some of y'all may or may not know that sometimes providing the grace is more painful than the hurt that was initially portrayed to you. Amen. And the sons of Korah, while they are gatekeepers, they're in a, a different place spiritually. They're unrecognizable. And what we have to do today is do some reading and some studying. In our, in our chapter today, Psalms 42 is one of the most studied Psalms in the book of Psalms. There's this quote from an Old Testament professor and he says, people stay away from Psalms 42 because it is too human. Because it is too painful and oftentimes we become too comfortable with fakeness in church that we don't know what to do with a text that is so human on every level. Our assignment today is to do an exposition of the text and grasp meaning. And for those who probably think, well, what's an exposition? It's just a, a, a fancy word that's used in Bible college or seminary which means to bring out of, bring meaning out of. And so our our goal, my goal, is to look at this text, this little bracket, verse by verse, bring meaning out of this text, and then I will provide some lessons that I believe the Lord uh, has given me for this particular body. Um, and because we're going verse by verse, And my throat is a little jacked up because a little sore throat. Um, I do have an assistant that will help me read. He's been so kind because we're going to read each verse. And uh, Brother Tom, if you can start, just read verse 1 through 2.
2: As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God the living God. When can I go and meet with God?
1: Amen. So, a few things. Soul. Right. His soul is is longing for God. Who wants to be brave and tell me what do you think he's referring to for soul? And for those, this is your first time, Bible studies, somewhat interactive. Um, I don't have a lot of questions this Bible study, but if you do have questions, raise your hand. But nonetheless, who wants to be brave to say, what do you think he's referring to as far as soul? Okay. Spirit. So, that's that's good. So, normally, in the New Testament, that is a concept. Spirit. But in the Old Testament, soul as a spirit is not a concept. The word soul comes from this Hebrew word, means nefesh. And what it means is throat. It just means throat. But because it means throat, it's also used elsewhere to mean the whole person. And the reason why it could mean a whole person is because life, everything you consume in life or in your body, comes through in and out of your mouth. Right? And so in the Songs of Solomon, when she says that, you know, That He is whom my soul, my whole life, loves. In Genesis, it says that God breathed into man and he became a living soul. So it's not about this spiritual thing that will live outside of you after you die, though that is a valid concept in the New Testament. But that is not what soul means in the Old Testament. It is literally everything you have. Amen? And so it is a metaphor and a comparison. So he is saying, as the deer search for the streams of water to quench his thirst, so does my being, so does everything I have, right? Because for the deer, water is life sustaining, right? So he is saying that everything I have. I I am putting it all on to God. And he's saying this metaphor to say that without it, I cannot survive. So he is he needs God. Like he really, really needs God. And so with that comes lesson one. We can never allow the despair of our external situations to overshadow the fact that. We need God. And I'll say it again. So we can never allow the despair of our external situations to overshadow the fact that we need God. Before we know his, his issues, the first thing we know is God is needed. We don't know what the issue is, we don't know how to fix it, God is needed. That tells me. Your children acting up, don't know how to fix it, God is needed. You have a loss of a loved one, don't know how to recover. First things first, God is needed. Before you go to the drawing board, before you think about, strategize, well, God, how do I recover? How do I do this? Why did this happen? First things first, God is needed. Then he uses this this term called, uh, he he says, he referenced God as the living God. The living God. The phrase itself is not that much clear. Uh, if you have like a study Bible, you actually see that a lot of them will not even address it because it's it's not clear what that actually um, means. But what I what I believe it means is that when you have the living God, the opposite of the living God would be a dead God. Now, for an Israelite. A concept of a dead God, a dead Yahweh, it's not a concept at all, right? It's no such thing as a dead Yahweh. So what he is referring to is, I think I got the answer in Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 10, where he says, But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God, the external, the eternal king. And so the living God is connected to the true God. So even in his despair, he is making a distinction between his God and the pagan gods. He knows and understands that sometimes in his situations, in our situations, it will reflect as if we do not belong to God. So therefore, he's, he is reaffirming to himself. When he says the eternal God, he's referring to the one true God. That God still exists, even though what I'm going through may not look like it. Verse
2: two, two
1: or three. Uh, um, you can uh, uh, what did you just read? I
2: read okay. one. I read one. Okay. Inch. Well,
1: so um, well you can we can hold off. So he also says, uh, where can I go? to meet God. In the Old Testament, the meeting place of God was around the tabernacle. He's been so far removed from fellowship with God that he has, he doesn't even know where to go. He's lost. God where can I find you is basically what he's saying. I've been away from you so long, where can I find you? So lesson 2 is stay connected to the church. And we know the church is not just the four walls, it's the people of God. So lesson 2 really is stay connected to the people of God though you may go through despair, throw life may throw you a curveball. You still stay connected to the people of God. Verse 3.
2: My tears have been my food day and night. While people say to me all day long, where is your God?
1: So what is going on here? Day, night, food. So he's consumed with tears. In a metaphor, much like we need to eat, we eat throughout the day to survive. The brother is just crying uncontrollably. In verse 1 through 2, he tells us that he needs God. And now we know why. So a lot of people don't even know this, but this is actually in the Bible, an example of a clinical case of depression. The American Association of Christian Counselors says this about his situation. He says, uncontrollable crying is a major side effect for depression. In fact, 35 million Americans, more than 16% of the population, suffer from severe depression enough to warrant treatment at some time in their life lesson three sometimes the enemy is your inner me sometimes the enemy is your inner me so i'm not saying that depression is demonic nor do i think that god cannot heal it supernaturally but I am saying that sometimes we can be so heavily minded that we are totally disconnected from the effect of the fall and how it has manifested itself in this life. When I was in um, school, I, I, I went to a Christian university, and one of the one of the the best things I liked about it uh, was that I was able to interact with doctors, professors, doc, uh, you know, legal experts psychologists, medical doctors, and they all are believers. And so I remember going to the head of the psychology department um, chair, and I said, we have to talk. He said, schizophrenia, depression, all that stuff, are they spirits? So he said, um, come sit down. (laughs) So I go into the office, and he said, um, well, I look at it like this. If, in fact, schizophrenia is a spirit, then after 30 years of practicing um, and treating patients, if it is a spirit, then we have found medicine to cure a spiritual behavior. Therefore, it's not a spirit, but the fall of man in Genesis, and we're living a fallen world. And because of that, it's the, the way it manifests itself in various different situations is one of, one of many situations of the manifestation of the, f- of, of the fall of man. And then he says, you know, depressed people have enough to worry about than to add on demonic oppression on top of that. I say amen. I like that.
2: Verse 4. These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go into the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng
1: says that he pour out his soul. So if we remember that in verse 1 and 2, we talked about how his soul longed for God. And so he's pouring out his soul. Also in verse 1 through 2, he tells us that he's chasing for God. He's now mentioning that he was able to what he w- or, or he's now mentioning that he was able to hang on to. What he was able to hang on to? To long for God. And I think what is interesting about this particular text is to say he's he's saying that, well, I have this desire. I need God. And we we will read that pretty much everything in his life. Has fallen to the wayside. What is keeping him going? He does not mention how many souls he won to the Lord. He does not mention the things that he has done to the for the Lord the people of God who he has served. He doesn't mention how long he served. He doesn't say, Lord, I I grew up in your presence. He doesn't mention any of that. There's just one thing. His praise. That's it. His praise. Lesson four. Praising God will outlast anything you can do for him or his people. And that's praising God will outlast anything you can do for him or his people. In verse
2: five. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God.
1: So the word "downcast" is is, is a really interesting word that it's I don't think that the English really captures it. But basically, what it means is to to melt away. So he's saying he is spiritually just deteriorating. He's again reinforcing the verses ahead that he's just not recognizing himself but then he speaks to himself now oftentimes you know we wait till the voice speak to us and that voice is negative but he speaks to himself but something happens he speaks to himself but he doesn't wait for an answer Instead. He commands himself, he tells himself what to do. Lesson five pain makes no sense while you're in it. Pain makes no sense while you're in it see a a lot of times. When people go through things, the first thing we want to do is to give an explanation as to why this person is going through things. We want to we want to we want to defend God. We want to say that God has a purpose. And then when we are going through things, we also want to rationalize as if there is an answer. Job. We all probably all know the story of Job his friends, they, they, they see Job and they saw how much the Bible says that he saw that the pain that he was in and they wept. And then they sat down with him for seven days and seven nights. And you know what they did? The Bible says they said nothing. They said nothing because Pain makes no sense while you're in it. There's no explanation. There's no reason. There's nothing you can do to say to fix Job's life, to fix the life of the person who lost their mother, their father, their baby. They're gone. It makes no sense. Now, revelation may happen after the fact, but pain makes no sense while you're in it. Verse six.
2: My soul is downcast within me; therefore, I will remember you from the land of Jordan, the heights of Hermon, and Mount Mizar.
1: Okay, can you read it one more time? I just want to make sure I want to get that.
2: My soul is downcast within me; therefore, I will remember you from the land of Jordan, the heights of Hermon. From Mount Mizar. Okay.
1: So to really understand this verse is to understand some geography within the Bible. So you have, uh, and and to make it, I was actually going to bring like a picture, uh, but I was running late and I just forgot. Um, but basically what you have is uh, Mount Hermon is the height of the Jordan River. So the Jordan River starts in the middle as a bank. And then it goes all the way up past all the cities we read about in the Bible, and it sits here at the top. And and to make it as an example that you might be familiar with, the bank of the Jordan River would be Trenton, and then let's say the highest point in New Jersey, what is, is that Patterson? Maybe that's the furthest north we can go. Sussex, okay. And then that would be Mount Hermon. Mazar, no one knows where it's at no archaeologists, no one one can find it. But I also think it's because they're mistaken. Mazar literally means little mountain. And so in the Psalms, where you're dealing with poetic literature, I don't think that he is literally referring to a mountain, but more so he is saying, referring to the distance between him and God, that he's on the little mountain here in Trenton, And God is up there in in Sussex County. He's far from God. Which takes me to lesson six. Don't get so far from God. That you are no longer aware how far you are. Lesson six. Don't get. So far from God that you are no longer aware how far you are in his spiritual depression. He knows he is far from God, that he's at the lowest point that he can be. But he is cognizant of where God is. And as long as you can see the light at the end of the tunnel, as long that you can see where God is. You have a destination. You have a direction. You know how to get back. Verse 7.
2: Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me.
1: Oh, God, that's good. So, deep
2: calls
1: to deep. Deep. To To really break that down, we see the word deep used twice in this verse, and it's a metaphor for sure, but the question is, what is this metaphor referring to? Again, for those who know or, or are familiar with the Old Testament, in Genesis 1, it says that the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the deep. So in his current situation, we know that he's in the Jordan River, by the Jordan River, and he did, and he talks about the Jordan River. And so what he is saying is that deep Genesis situation, scenario, calls to deep Jordan River, my scenario, my situation. He's saying, God, my situation speaks to this situation. He's saying, God, the waters are troubling here. I'm in chaos here. Here. And he's saying that the world was in chaos in the beginning, and you created out of it. He's reminding God that this situation that I'm in, while it's new to me, is familiar to you. Amen. Amen. And the thing with Genesis is that, and it's actually one of my favorite books in the Bible, uh, is that God. Creates this world after it said that he hovers over the deep. The next verse, we see God creates. God creates out of out of this chaotic world. And he is saying to God. Create in me. Creating me a new life, a new situation. Do what you did to in me, what you did in Genesis, in the beginning of the world lesson seven there is no ask too big for God there is no ask too big for God verse
2: eight by day The Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life.
1: So it's interesting in this verse. So the word Lord is capitalized. Is, Is anyone familiar with that means? When we see in the Old Testament the word Lord in all capital letters. And it's actually the first time we see it in this chapter being capitalized. And for those who are familiar with the Old Testament, whenever the the word Lord is in all capital letters, it's referring to the personal name of God, Yahweh, the covenant God, the covenant keeping God. Then he talks about this word love. Which in Hebrew means "has said," which refers to a, a a a type of love that is loyal, that is faithful. It's a loyal keeping love. And when you bring them together, you have the covenant God and faithful love. He's reminding himself that he belongs to God. Because the only people who can call God by that name are the people of that name. What Jesus is in the New Testament, the name in the New Testament is what Yahweh is in the Old Testament. And so he is reminding himself that I belong to God. I am a covenant recipient, a God who loves me and though my current situation may not look like it. I still believe. I still recognize that I belong to him. Lesson eight. Remember God chose you and love you. That's remember God chose you and loved you. And Tom, I'm going to ask you as I wrap this up to read um, just verses 9 through 11.
2: I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why my st- I go about mourning oppressed by the enemy. My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God.
1: So the reason why I talked Together because they come together collectively to close out this chapter. In verse 9, we know that he refers to God as his rock. But at the same time, he declares that he's still down, he's still discouraged, he still feels forgotten, he's still depressed. Verse ten, there's this this, this 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 phrase. It's 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 my bones suffer mortal agony. Bones suffer mortal agony. It is an extremely hard phrase to translate from Hebrew to English. If you, if you have ten different Bible translations in this room, it's likely that all ten of them would translate different. Some say that 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 the murder of my bones is what it should be. Some say the breaking of my bones. It's just not sure. But the, the point is, is that at this point, he is experiencing unbearable pain. That being away from God is literally feels like the breaking of his bones. And then in the next verse. He talks about how he. Well, actually, I won't even go. I won't go there. Just get to lesson nine. Lesson nine. It may not end the way you desire. I, I, when I as I read in this chapter, I had major issues with this chapter because the ending is actually not happy. It's not. There's no praise break. Verse 11, he actually just repeats what happened in verse in the beginning of the chapter, which shows that he's actually still in the same situation, and so he's trying to get out. And he's doing this over and over and over again. And so I asked, I, you know, I said, look, why, why would this chapter stop here? It makes no sense. I even, I even found that some would say that 42 is a continuation. I and mean, 43 is a continuation of chapter 42. But even if you go to chapter 43, it all ends the same. There's no happiness to this story. See, I believe because Psalms is the experience of humans because psalms 42 is so uniquely human about how humans respond in suffering i believe that this chapter stop here because at this point this is the point a lot of us give up at this point this is the point that we say you know what god i had enough of you when the pain becomes so unbearable where it feels as if your bones are breaking God is saying, this is it. It, it, It's it's at at this point. But it's also at this point where we give up on each other. It's at this point. He's in pain, so much agony, and no one knows. And I had a thought. How many people come to our church? On a Sunday, on a midweek, that are going through this. Maybe they're saved. Maybe they're not saved. Maybe they're trying to get back in. Maybe they're backsliders. But experiencing immense pain and agony, and no one knows. I remember. There was a kid in the projects uh, when I first got into church. I asked him um, to come to church. I would invite him to church. And he, he would never come. He was just you know, project kid doing his thing. Um, and I remember one night um, talking to him, 11 o'clock at night, I'm sitting outside in, in the projects, in the building, which I never really hung out there um but for that night I I just got I just got out of church uh late and I just decided to just stay out there and talk talk to him and I asked him I said you know you should come to church you should come to church and he says um, okay I said okay I'll come to church I'll meet you here when do you want me to come I told him we had service the next day. He said, come meet, meet me here the next day. The next day, that same location, Um, he, he doesn't come. To, he's, he's not there. He doesn't come to church. But he gets gunned down in the hallway of that same location, and he dies. Days later mother comes to me comes to because my mother lives there and, and, and she don't know me um and I don't know her and but she asked for she said is the, is there a son that you have or a guy who lives here who goes to church I said yeah my, my mom asked me to come talk to her and so she started to tell me that apparently he talked about me a lot in the house and he was very excited She told me that he was suicidal for five years. And it was the first time she was able to see him happy, knowing that he was about to come to church. But I missed that. I spoke with him for two hours the night before. And I missed it. He was dying spiritually. Maybe I didn't need to wait until the am to go to the church. Maybe I should have prayed for him right there. Maybe I should have found someone to go baptize him in Jesus' name that night. Another story. It's a lady, also from the projects, a family member of mine, actually. One night, she comes knocking on the door one in the morning. While well, back up, whenever she would see me, she would have things to say, just, just small talk. Her 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 kids are my cousins, because through their father's side. But there's one night about one thirty. It's very popular in Trent. Very popular the funeral was massive. A lot of people was there. No one knows this story. I told my wife the story last night, for the first time. She comes to me at 2 in the morning, maybe 1.30 or 2 in the morning, opens the door, and a lot of times she was high on heroin. And me being a new Christian, me not having the wisdom and not knowing how to minister to people that differ from me, a lot of times I would brush her off. That night she says, I need you to pray for me. And she's asking me this while she's outside the door. And before I answer, she rushed inside the house, pulled my hand, and take me into my mother's bathroom. And she sits on the toilet, and she just grabs my hand, and she looks down, and she says, pray. So I start to pray for her. And then afterwards, I said, you need to get off the drug. Not that Jesus can get you off the drugs. Not that you need Jesus. But I judged her. Two days later, her body was found on Nerf Trenton with a gunshot wound into the head. It was murder. And I say these stories to say, and there are many more. I say these stories all to say. That Psalms 42 exists in Trenton, exist in Hamilton, exist in this church. Can we rise? Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, I thank you for pouring out this evening, Lord Jesus. Lord God, I thank you, Lord God, for speaking to our hearts this evening, Lord Jesus. God, we connect, Lord God, with the sons of Korah, Lord. Lord, deep, speak unto deep, God. Deep, speaks unto deep, God. You are above our situation, Lord God, but yet you, oh God, have the power to change it, Lord Jesus. God, help us see your people the way you see them, Lord God. Eyes to see and ears Lord God. Help us to see the hurting, Lord God. Help us to see the pain of our fellow brothers and sisters, Lord Jesus. Lord God, let this, oh God, be a church that sees people the way you see them, Lord Jesus. God, we cast down, Lord Jesus, we we pass it down, oh God. We cast it into the pits of hell this evening, Lord God. We ask you, oh God, to take control of our minds, Lord God. Do a new thing this evening, Lord God. Do a work in our hearts this evening, Lord Jesus. Do a work in our heart, oh God. Lord, for someone right now, oh God, they're deteriorating spiritually, Lord Jesus. They don't feel you, but they don't want to tell anyone, oh God. They don't feel you, oh God. They need a touch, Lord Jesus. God, surround them, oh God. Surround them with your people, Lord Jesus. Give them an air, oh Father God, that they can vent to. People die in in a pulpit, oh God. People die in a pew, Lord God. People die in a street, Lord God. Oh, God, get us on your business, oh, Father God. Connect us with your people, Lord Jesus. Oh, God, make us over, Lord God. Make us over, Lord God. We need a revival of the heart this evening, Lord. Oh, if if you need a revival of the heart, just let the Lord say, Lord, give us a revival of a heart this morning, Lord Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Oh God, only you can do it, Lord Jesus. God, our friends and our families are dying at the wayside, Lord Jesus. We're we're too judgmental to see, oh God. We're too we're not wise. Oh Father God, give us wisdom, Lord God. Help us, Lord Jesus. Lord God, let this word, oh Father God, be rejuvenating, Lord God. Let it remain fresh in our hearts and our minds, Lord Jesus. Oh, after you, oh God, we seek, oh God the transformation that comes only from you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.